When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Big Tilt, a Roto Underworld player profiler DFS podcast. We are entering week 12. We're hitting the home stretch. You've watched the games. You've paid attention to player profiler. And now it's time to put that research into action. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand. And don't forget, folks, we are sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. It is your one-stop location for fantasy football, pick'ems, live drafts, everything you need. Use the promo code UNDERWORLD to get up to a $100 match bonus for new users. And always, I am joined by the genius himself, the man who does so much here at Player Profiler and is ready to give us the strategy and the roster construction to win you the big money. Josh Larkey, Director of Analytics here at Player Profiler. Follow him on Twitter at jlarkeytweets. My friend Josh, happy Thanksgiving. Mike, happy Thanksgiving to you as well and to... All the listeners out there, now that my belly has been stuffed with some stuffing, turkey, mashed potatoes, gravy, etc., even a few vegetables, it's time to talk some some DFS. It was a it was an up and down Thanksgiving DFS slate for me. I feel like that happens every year where I look and I'm like, wow, the field is going to be so soft. I'm going to kill it. I have the perfect strategy. And then you get the what was it? Nearly 70 points scored. In that Dallas Vegas game, yet crazy, crazy. nobody really gets. I think it was only Hunter Renfro had twenty fantasy points outside the quarterbacks. It's t- tough to win sometimes. <laughs> I'll add on actually with underdogs. So something I've been doing recently, they just launched the new sophomores and juniors twenty twenty two drafts. You're essentially picking players that are going to be in year two or year three for next year. So think year three would be Jonathan Taylor would be a year three player next year. And Jamar Chase would be a year two player. And these are super fast. You you can draft in 10 to 15 minutes. It's four teams drafting at once. You and three other people. It's only 12 rounds. And it's best ball. You're ultimately going to be starting a quarterback, a running back, two wide receivers slash tight ends, and a flex. And it's just like that rookies and sophomores tournament that I was talking about this whole summer, which is essentially that Think about the normal underdog best ball structure, or even just most best ball platforms. It'll be a quarterback, two running back, three receivers, a tight end, and a flex. Essentially nine, or sorry, eight, eight, huh? wow, I can't count, eight positions starting each week, which means the quarterback's about 12.5% of your starting lineup, one in eight. But when you're starting a quarterback, running back, two receivers, and a flex, Quarterback is suddenly not 12.5%. They are 20% of your starting lineup. And you're probably going to want to lock in some elite quarterback play. They're going too late in the sophomores, juniors drafts. That is the biggest edge I see right now. You want a good player to target. You can get Trey Lance 
at nearly the end of your draft. What what are people thinking? Trey Lance will be the 49ers starter in 2022 for the entire season. It's going to be his team. Why is he going after a quarterback like Mac Jones? I would bet pretty hefty sums of money that Trey Lance plays at least 12 games next year and that per game he outscores Mac Jones in fantasy by a hefty two to five fantasy point per game margin. I don't even think it's going to be close. Get Trey Lance in all of those drafts, the promo code Underworld. And then before we dive into DFS, let me also mention, we we don't promote this too often, but I think it, the content deserves some publicity. We have an Instagram account, the player profiler Instagram. We're growing it. We do not have the following that we do on Twitter yet, but if you're on Instagram or even if you're listening and you've been annoyed that we haven't historically paid as much attention to Instagram as Twitter and you go, I'm a, I'm a big Instagram person with your all the, all the modeling you're doing or whatnot, great. We're on Instagram. We're posting more and more excellent content. Check us out there. And then also $45 rest of season gets you the player profiler all in package. You want dynasty rankings year round. We got those. You can get those through January, 2022 with this. Oh, you want DFS? You can get our DFS module till the end of January. Oh, you want data analysis? You want to download our data in easily sortable spreadsheets to do your own research? Great. You can have that too. Oh, you want my weekly rankings and projections? Great. You can have that too. $45 rest of season. And what makes us different folks than other fantasy football sites is we're always listening to the feedback. So Josh and I received some feedback that you'd like to hear us set up the chalk. You'd like to hear us talk about which plays are going to project to be chalky right now as we record this on Friday night. So what we'll do each week is we'll go through each of the positions and give you a rough idea. I'll start with quarterback DraftKings. You're looking at Justin Herbert. Of course, you're looking at Cam. People expect a big Cam game down in Miami. Tom Brady going against Indianapolis, certainly always a viable option. Looks like he's going to be heavy chalk. And how about Tyrod Taylor in a game that we'll get to with only a two and a half point spread against the Jets? Certainly Tyrod last week engineering the upset of Tennessee looks to be chalk on DraftKings. On FanDuel, pretty much the same, but take out Tyrod and throw in Jimmy G on FanDuel with a good price there at home against Minnesota. What about running back? So running back DraftKings. McCaffrey, A.J. Dillon, Miles Gaskin, Miles Sanders. A little bit surprised about Gaskin and Sanders, to be completely honest. Not that I, I think they're bad plays, but do not think those are the, the those are top five plays on this slate. Darrell Henderson, James Robinson, Saquon Barkley, who I mentioned on my Monday First Mover podcast, 6300 for Saquon is just that's very inexpensive. Uh, David Johnson, a little bit surprising chalk. We'll talk about him a little more later. Fournette, Dalvin Cook. FanDuel, it's a little bit more consolidated. A.J. Dillon, Dalvin, Fournette. Joe Mixon sneaks in there. Gaskin again. Eckler on FanDuel. McCaffrey and Miles Sanders. Turning to receiver on DraftKings. Uh, no surprise if Brady's chalk. Uh, what do you know? Chris Godwin's chalk. Oh, Herbert's chalk, Keenan Allen's chalk as well. Deontay Johnson, Debo, Pittman, Cooks, DJ Moore, Devontae Adams, T. Higgins. Corey Davis seems like he's going to be decently chalky. Not quite sure how I feel about that one. Uh, Mike Williams as well, just like Keenan Allen. 
decently chalky. Judy carrying some some ownership. Uh, no Jamal Agnew, Chenault carrying a little bit, and Jalen Waddle. And then on FanDuel, a lot of the the same characters. However, add in Van Jefferson and Jacoby Myers. And I have to say, and Mike, I think we're in total agreement on this. How is Odell Beckham Crazy. not chalk right now? What is going on? I was certain come on Monday when I was recording my podcast, I was like, oh, everyone's going to be playing 5,000 Odell Beckham. Crazy. We talked about this off air before we began. Guys, he was brought in right before the last game. He played minimal snaps. They now had a bye week to acclimate him. Stafford is totally healthy. They're playing a weak Green Bay defense that has been playing well lately, but they still have a lot of injuries. They brought Odell in to replace Robert Woods. Odell is going to be used. The numbers have not adjusted. For tight end, Josh, it looks like on DraftKings, Dallas Goddard, of course. Looks like he's there every week. Gronk, who continues to be low on DraftKings, 4,400 yet, of course. Even last week, didn't put a touchdown in, but still was the overall tight end nine. And, of course, Jared Cook with the Chargers heading out to the Broncos on FanDuel. George Kittle, Goddard as well, Kyle Pitts, and Dan Arnold. Can we respond, Josh? Can we fade recency bias with the horrific performance from Dan Arnold last week? I don't know. Yeah, I think people are getting a little bit sharper since I feel like years past, random tight end that you finally started to hear of lays an egg. Generally, people get uh, quite frustrated. So uh, good on fantasy gamers recognizing that Dan Arnold is most likely going to have a hefty amount of usage in week 12. Let's take a look at the games. And I like to bring in some of the betting aspects for you because I think it paints a picture on how you think the game is going to go. Josh will give you the rundown, but of course we're looking at how we think it's it's going to be close or it's going to be a blowout. And that does factor in the first one, Bengals minus four and a half against the Steelers. Now remember the Bengals won earlier this year, I believe it was 24 to 10 at Pittsburgh. And in that game, Tyler Boyd came out and said he felt the Steelers quit. This is a quintessential Mike Tomlin spot to have the Steelers in rah-rah mode. For the most part, everyone is fairly healthy. Eric Ebron did not practice this week. Looks like he's going to be out, but the rest seem ready to go. Mike Tomlin, the betting trend is alive and well. And last week, Josh against the Chargers, down 17 points in the fourth quarter. It did not look like it was going to hit, but it did. As an underdog since 2018, 18 and four against the spread. September of 2019, he's 13 and three as an underdog against the spread, and this year four and one. TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, two defensive players should return here against the Bengals. Cincinnati's enjoyed a solid season, but again, their DVOA numbers are not fantastic. I think this one, Josh, has the biggest disconnect between how they look fantasy wise and how they're actually performing on the field. Let's not forget that this is a team, they did beat Las Vegas last week handily, but they lost the Jets and blown out by Cleveland the two weeks prior. So break it down for us here. Steelers, Bengals, big rivalry. There certainly is fantasy option, but the question is where are you going to go in order to fill these players in your lineup? So with this game, I prefer stacking it on the Burrow side because I like, I do like the consolidated Pittsburgh offense, but I just don't have that much faith in Ben Roethlisberger to be able to himself deliver. And the way I see it is that if Roethlisberger delivers, how is Joe Burrow not delivering? So I'm going to be targeting this game more on the Bengals side, but I'm with you. I think it's going to be a very competitive matchup. And I think a couple things to note, since I, I whiffed on Aaron Rodgers last week, I, I was like, you, I don't think you should play Rodgers. I didn't play Rodgers. 
That's why I didn't crush any tournaments. I didn't happen to have Rodgers. And I said, I don't like this low play volume, non-mobile quarterback. And I still stand by that, that that's not the archetype I like to really dive into for DFS. However, with Rodgers, yes, I know, slow pace, non-mobile, but we did know where he was going to go with the ball. We knew Lazard was out. Randall Cobb is not a down, downfield threat. They have no more tight ends. Aaron Jones, their best receiving back, he's out. We essentially knew that the air yards would cluster around Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And no, obviously, if I thought the two of them would put up the performances they did, I would have played Rodgers. But it was predictable. And you might say, Josh, we're talking about the Bengals. What the, what the hell do the, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers have to do with it? Well, I actually think the Bengals have been very similar offensively to the Packers this year. It's a hyper-efficient offense overall, especially with the touchdowns. And Joe Burrow, he's only hit 40 pass attempts one time this year. It was two weeks ago, and he had 40. He's been in the, the 20s or 30s every other game. He's actually only averaging 31 and a half pass attempts a game. That's really, really low. That's below league average. But fortunately, just like the Packers, it's a consolidated offense. I've shown the splits on Twitter many times. I mentioned them on the Big Tilt last week. When Chase Higgins and Boyd play, Boyd has not had a massive game yet. He has a very low A dot. He's overall been getting severely out-targeted. And I think that this is the way we can leverage this for DFS is that Joe Burrow, yes, we're probably not going to get necessarily the pass volume we want, but the consolidation will be there. And I like the idea of these Burrow-Chase-Higgins double stacks. And it's very nice to know that all of the downfield targets are going to Chase and Higgins. They're not going to Boyd. It's not like, yes, Mixon will have a few targets a game, but it's not like he's running these downfield routes. It's pretty much exclusively Chase Higgins on the deep routes. And I like that for DFS. And I think it's something that I've underappreciated in the past. So I think with this game, you just go Burrow, probably Chase and Higgins double stacks. Maybe you mix in a little Mixon. Maybe you mix in a little CJ Uzama. You can have Tyler Boyd in some of those lineups. And then on the the Pittsburgh side, I think you can just run it back with two of Najee Harris, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and Pat Fryermuth. And I like that onslaught because you still have some salary left over. You can do it on both platforms. However, I do prefer this on FanDuel. And it's because Burrow's kind of a lower pass volume guy. So you don't really need the PPR platform because there's just not going to be as many pass attempts, as many receptions to go around. And it also so happens that Joe Burrow is the QB7 on DraftKings for price, yet the QB13 behind Teddy Bridgewater. QB13 on FanDuel. So on FanDuel, this, I believe, is one of the premier stacks is loading up Burrow with one or two of Chase Higgins, and then you run it back with one or two Steelers. And last time, can't forget, Najee Harris against Cincinnati, 14 receptions on 19 targets. So don't do the knee-jerk reaction, which is Steelers, Bengals, AFC North, bloodbath, black and blue division. There's value here, folks. And this is a game, as Josh said, you could see Burrow hit a season high in pass receptions. And you know on the other side that there's value to run it back. 
Next up, probably the marquee game of the weekend. Tampa Bay at Indianapolis. Tampa Bay favored by three points. Over-under is 53 points. No Antonio Brown. He is out, but the rest look like they're ready to go. This has a very sneaky line underneath here, underlying value, that this could be a high-scoring game because you're going to have Tampa Bay's run defense. That's impossible to run against. The Colts are going to have to pass the ball. On the other side, Tom Brady, Godwin, Evans, Gronk, just weapons all over the place. Highest over-under of the week, 53. Where do we go, Josh, here for value? So before I dive into individual players, I mean, you you started to, you were teasing it. This is, this is the marquee game of the week. And one reason for that is the Colts just this year have been allowing the third most points to quarterbacks in fantasy. And they've also coincidentally allowed the third most fantasy points to receivers. Wow. We have a Colts defense that's essentially saying, hey, we're, we're playing some zone. You can basically just have PPR gold against us. We're going to allow that. Great. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, all they do is pass the ball. And then Tampa Bay is also such a stingy run defense, like you mentioned. Probably going to be tough for Jonathan Taylor to hit another ceiling game in this one. He was already playing with fire against a, a fairly stout Bills run defense. I really do not expect him to do it again against the Buccaneers. And I think that it's just a very natural type of game flow where a lot of passing, a lot of PPR goodness. I think obviously Brady, you're going to want to have in a ton of lineups, double stack him at all on both sites. And then I think Wentz is also fairly viable, especially on DraftKings. Wentz is only 5,800. And I do expect them to have to pass the ball quite a bit, both to stay competitive with the Buccaneers offense. And because I do not see Jonathan Taylor getting his customary five to six yards per carry against a Buccaneers team that's probably going to have eight men in the box at almost all times. I don't really think that there's a, a bad way to play this game as long as you're targeting the passing game. I like the Brady double stacks, Evans, Godwin, Fournette gets enough pass work that he's a stack partner. Rob Gronkowski is just solidly priced on both platforms, but especially DraftKings. And then uh, I'm not quite sure what the deal is, but if he's going to be active again, I kind of like a couple Brashad Perriman dart throws. He's 3K on DraftKings, 4,500 on FanDuel. He had a little bit more run than I expected. Remember that this is kind of where he had his quote-unquote mini breakout two years ago with Jameis before he signed that free agent deal with the Jets. So Brashad Perriman did have familiarity. He slid right back into this offense. So I think he's kind of the the sneaky guy if you want to just toss a dart and save some money. And then on the Colts side, hard not to just play heavy, heavy Michael Pittman when he's 5,600 on DraftKings. Still palatable, 6,600 FanDuel. That's just a really good price. He's had a couple mediocre games recently. Does that coincide with T.Y. Hilton? Yes. Is it because of T.Y. Hilton? I have absolutely no idea. But all I know is that there's going to be a lot of pass attempts in this one. And I'm going to want to play the most talented players in this pass game offense. And Pittman is by far and away the most talented. So I really like Pittman. I think Taylor, you can play him, but I wouldn't be too too aggressive. I mentioned last week, actually, that I, I didn't want to be too aggressive with Taylor against Buffalo. I thought about 10% of the field was going to be playing Taylor. And 
it was kind of interesting. I was like, don't play too much Taylor. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I played 6% Jonathan Taylor in DFS last week, thinking I'd be below the field. It turned out the field wanted to play 3% of Jonathan Taylor. So I got a little bit lucky there, but I think I'll play a little bit less than my 6% from last week. It'll probably be in the 4 to 5% range. So he'll be there in my 150 entries, but definitely sparingly. Yeah, I, I like this game a lot. I think that Pascal and Hilton can be played. They should be played. But I would say the biggest guy to focus on with the Colts is if this game shoots out, it's hard for Pittman to not get there, especially on DraftKings. Josh, I want to pick your brain on this one. So let's say someone wants to double stack a Godwin and Evans. That's very expensive. Maybe even the bring back with Pittman in the flex or as the third wide receiver. You put Brady in there also. That's an awful lot of financial investment. Now, do you say to yourself, look, if Evans and Godwin are going to hit, Brady's going to hit, so I'm putting him in there? Or is there something to be said for going for a different quarterback because you're looking to get savings while stacking Godwin, Evans, Pittman, something along those lines? I think if you're stacking Evans, Godwin, you're expecting four to five Brady touchdowns and 350 to 450 pass yards. And I would just stick with Brady. There are some cheaper options throughout this slate for salary relief. There is a sneaky backup tight end I'll mention later who's basically the stone min. We have Ty Johnson at 4,300 or Tevin Coleman at 4K. I think you just have to pay down at some other positions, recognizing that this is the kind of game that can just break the slate where when you check out the the top five, top 10 entries in every tournament, it's Brady stacks. So I, I would say that if you do want Godwin and Evans, you have to play them with Brady. Carolina minus two and a half at Miami, only a 42 point over under. So people may shy away from this one. You have a mobile quarterback in cam Tua played well last week, even though he had the broken finger. There are some options. There are some viability in this game. A Philip Lindsay signed with Miami. So there's a question there on how he's going to do. Where do you go here? Carolina, Miami, two defenses, Josh, that have played very, very well. Last time we saw Miami, prime time, they were lighting up Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. So Panthers, Dolphins, DFS, what do you like here? So I actually don't uh, love Cam. I know the, the field seems to really like Cam as chalk. I think he's he's pretty good on DraftKings. He's 5,600. FanDuel, he's, I believe, the third most expensive quarterback at 8,000. So... Yeah, I think if you want to play Cam and play this game, you should be doing it on DraftKings because it's the same thing with Tua. Tua is only 5,500 on DraftKings, whereas he's 6,900 on FanDuel. And as I've mentioned before, you generally want to play more of the higher-end quarterbacks on FanDuel with the way the scoring system sets up. So I think this is more of a DraftKings game if you're stacking it. I think Kasiki, Waddle, they're pretty well-priced. Gaskin, decently priced. It's fairly consolidated in Miami, which is nice. On the Carolina side, I like McCaffrey anytime he's in the 9K range. DJ Moore is playable at a salary. I still just, I don't love this Cam Newton offense for any of these pass catchers. I think, once again, like if you're playing Cam Newton, maybe a skinny stack with DJ Moore, maybe a weird skinny stack with McCaffrey. Probably not want to play too much Robbie Anderson, but I think you can just do some naked cam on DraftKings. Or if you're going the two aside, I think you just load up both Waddle and Gasicki and cross your fingers. There is one player, though, that I'm going to mention. You might not know this guy exists. He's the backup tight end on the Dolphins. 
And Adam Shaheen, their third string tight end, is out of this game. Durham Smythe, throw a couple shots in the chamber if you're 150 maxing. Smythe, he's 2,600 on DraftKings. He's had around a 6% target share this year. He's crested 10 fantasy points in a game already with Shaheen playing. And if you add in Shaheen's target share of about 5%, there's about 11% target share each game going to tight ends not named Mike Gesicki, partly because Gesicki lines up in the slot all the time. Sometimes he's out wide. He's not lining up like a tight end. So you can kind of get the Dolphins tight end for 2,600, who you know will be involved in the pass game. It is going to be difficult to make salary work, especially if you want to target like we were talking about the Brady stacks. And Durham Smythe, 2,600, kind of a fun way to have a decent fantasy floor. I expect him to have six or seven fantasy points at minimum. And then I think there's a a 12 to 14 point ceiling there with him if he gets the touchdown. So he's kind of my, my sneaky tight end play of the week. Talk about a disgusting game just because it is a low total and the injuries are all over the place. New England hosting Tennessee. New England favored by seven, 44 point over under. Heard today, A.J. Brown is out for this game. Jeremy McNichols is out for this game. Damian Harris, Hunter Henry, limited practice this week. Deontay Foreman expected to play, but limited practice. John o. Smith as well. Just an ugly game up here in Foxborough, Josh. Anything you like here? I think the running backs are okay. I think Nick Westbrook, Akine is okay, though. Also, I mean, how we're probably going to get burned there. These Titans receivers have been impossible to predict outside of knowing that an A.J. Brown's going to have a hefty target share. And for all we know, Westbrook Akine will get three targets in this one. So I think he is the, the guy to play if you want to choose someone. Titans pass catcher-wise, he's 4,000 DraftKings, 5,700 fan duel. Uh, don't really love any of these Patriots receivers. If you want to go cheap and just cross your fingers for a touchdown, you can play Aguilar on FanDuel. But I think the way to play this is Tannehill and Mac Jones, very tough to see either getting there in DFS. And I think we have enough random running backs out there in this game that we can throw in to make salaries work. A Ramondre Stevenson, a Damian Harris, a Deonta Foreman or a Dontrell Hilliard. So I think those four running backs play a little bit of them in tournaments. They're all reasonably priced, especially Stevenson, Foreman, and Hilliard. And I think you just cross your fingers that one of these guys has has a touchdown because any of those three will get there with a touchdown on both platforms. So I think that's where I'm leaning for this one. I mean, like Hunter Henry's price isn't even that bad. It's just so difficult to play him when you know that Dallas Goddard is nearly the same price and probably going to have three to five more targets on a similarly strong offense. So really just not a game that I'm I'm looking at for TFS. We'll, we'll just pay down for some of these running backs. And I don't think I'm going to have any Tannehill or Mac Jones stacks this Sunday. Philadelphia minus three and a half at the Giants. You know, this game changed dramatically as the week went on. The Giants were looking, Josh, like they were going to have a full arsenal of weapons here. But today we hear Sterling Shepard is out. Kadarius Toney is doubtful. Kyle Rudolph is out. Saquon Barkley, of course, is back. And it's probably going to be a heavy dose of Saquon. Rivalry game here. Jalen Hurts has been fantastic. Jordan Howard's not going to play. But Miles Sanders is back. And I really think going back to what you said earlier, they are forcing. People want Miles Sanders to be good because they want to believe that he can have a great end of fantasy season here. So, Eagles, 
Three and a half points. Over-under is 45 and a half. This game has usually trended higher. You look at the history recently. The Eagles have dominated it, but it has been a high-scoring game. Where do we go here? Eagles, Giants for DFS. So I think this is kind of a, a fun game because outside of Jalen Hurts, everyone has a pretty reasonable salary. And it's not even like Jalen Hurts has a, a prohibitive salary, but they finally priced him up on both platforms, especially on FanDuel. So he's 7300 on DraftKings, one of the higher price quarterbacks. And then FanDuel, he's actually the most expensive quarterback this week. He's 8400 It's probably a reaction to three rushing touchdowns this past week. So I... I don't love that salary, but it makes sense against really bad defense when Hertz is basically this offense. I think if you're playing some Hertz, you want to play one or both of Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. If Hertz hits 30 pass attempts, decent chance Smith and Goddard get there. And it's because over half of Hertz's pass attempts have been going to the duo of Smith and Goddard. Quez Watkins, not much there. Low A dot. Jalen Rager, absolute bust. There's... There's really just so little in that pass game outside of Smith and Goddard. So if they dial up the pass attempts at any point, I I really think we could see Smith and Goddard both crest 20 fantasy points. And Hertz could just be an absolute monster if that happens to go along with the, the typical 6 to 12 rush attempts. So I think Hertz, Smith, Goddard, that's really all that you need to lean for the, the Eagles side. And then I think on the Giants side with Daniel Jones, Galladay's still just a fine price. He really hasn't delivered in fantasy, but he did have that 100-yard game earlier this year, so we know it's possible. Galladay's only 5,100 DraftKings, 5,900 FanDuel, so I think that is the guy to build around. Tough to see Daniel Jones getting there without Galladay also getting there. And then I think with Saquon, just because of how inexpensive he is in the past game usage, on DraftKings, I think you can do some fun double stacks with Daniel Jones, Barkley, Galladay, and then run it back with either Smith, Goddard, or on the run back, you can do Miles Sanders. I don't love that he's apparently decided to be chalk this week. I I understand the Giants were a good matchup for running backs. Miles Sanders did have 16 carries, but he only had one target. He did uh, have the the early fumble in that last game. I, I think there's role security with Sanders, especially after he fumbled and still got the touches, but... I just think with what we've seen from this offense and how heavily it's been dominated by Hertz, Goddard, and Devonta Smith, I don't believe Chalk Sanders is a great thing. I'm going to try and be below the field on him. Still going to have some Sanders, but I think if there was ever Chalk running backs to fade, it would be Gaskin in a tough matchup against the Panthers, and then Miles Sanders, who has just really struggled to get the touches. I've talked about it before. He is the ultimate spectator in fantasy football. He'll have the massive snap share with very few touches per snap. He's basically just out there doing the motions. For some reason, they do not trust him with a heavy, heavy workload. So a game I'm going to have some exposure to. I think it's kind of sneaky in terms of how consolidated both of these pass attacks will be. But not a big Miles Sanders week. Fade that shock. Another huge game besides Tampa Bay, Indianapolis, the Rams at the Packers. Now the Packers getting one. They open favored by a couple points here. Over-under is 47 points. Packers are limping to their bye, which is next week, and the Rams are coming off their bye, refreshed and replenished. We'll talk about Odell. You mentioned him before, but Stafford looks to be completely healthy. Aaron Rodgers dealing with the toe. 
a Devontae Adams, an a- ankle, but he's going to play. Aaron Jones is trending upward, but a lot of value here, of course. Cooper Cup now, no Robert Woods. A.J. Dillon has been involved catching passes as well, which has got to make his fantasy, uh, the fantasy gamers happy. A.J. Dillon's going to be involved. They have a slow pace. Aaron Rodgers always, Josh, works that clock down. You go to Football Outsiders, the pace pace of play is always slow with them. So I kind of think this may be trending towards an under, but Rams, Packers, a lot of big-time weapons here in DFS. Yeah, I think on this game, I, I'm, I'll, I'll probably end up playing a little Rodgers. I'll concede. I like the consolidated offense, especially if Lazard is out again. It'll be nice that I can just center it around Dillon. Adams, MVS, but I prefer the Rams side because they're coming off their bye. We know who the targets are going to go to, and we have the gift of Odell Beckham when he's 5,000 DraftKings, 5,800 FanDuel, just incredibly palatable salary on both platforms. He's not heavy chalk, which I'm shocked by. And initially, when I looked at this game and I talked about it on Monday, I said, I'm a little hesitant. I'll play some cup, but I don't like that he's. Nine and a half K on both platforms. That is a crazy price for a receiver. And I thought, you know, he just, can he even get there? And then I, I did some game log surfing before the show and on DraftKings, he's 9,600. It's totally gross until you realize he's hovered around 40 fantasy points in three games this year. And that is more than enough for him to get there, even at a 9,600 price tag. So I think you can go Stafford cup OBJ or cup. Van Jefferson or OBJ Van Jefferson. You can mix in a little Higby. And I would prefer the Stafford stacks here because especially on DraftKings, I like his price at only 7,100. And we know where this offense, we know where he's, where he's going with this one. If Stafford gets there, it's most likely that Cup and or OBJ and or Van Jefferson get there and that you can center it around those three. I like the runbacks of Adams, MVS, or... I really like A.J. Dillon still. I know some people have soured. He should be heavier chalk than he is at his uh, incredibly low price tags. Under 6,000 DraftKings, under 7,000 FanDuel. And A.J. Dillon, he played 78% of the snaps, ran 16 routes, 11 carries, 6 targets. But that most important part is the snap share because even when Green Bay was down two touchdowns against the Vikings, he was still out on the field. I do not expect Aaron Jones to suit up for this one. It's a week away from their bye. Historically, the Packers have been incredibly, incredibly conservative with their studs coming off injury. And I just don't understand why, if they're a lock to make the playoffs, why you're going to trot Aaron Jones out there two weeks off of a sprained MCL when you have the bye next week. So I expect it to be a Dylan game. And I think that he's a, a really good play on both sides, especially when you're trying to save salary, but you still want a guy with 30-point upside. Dylan's really, really well-priced on both platforms. Josh, can you put an end to this question that I get every single week? I feel like your casual DFS player is going to say, well, wait a minute, Josh, you're going to play Devontae Adams? What about Jalen Ramsey? What should people do when they're facing a cornerback that is elite, that is a top cornerback that you may or may not know if they're going to shadow. How does that factor in, if at all? Because I get it all the time. So I think with some of the the fringier receiving cores, it should be a little bit more of a question because if you have a fairly non-talented receiver going up against a top cornerback, 
and we know they shadow, they're probably going to get shut down. And even if they don't shadow, anytime they're matched up with that cornerback, they're probably going to be shut down. However, with Adams, I have faith Adams can win against any cornerback in the NFL. And then on top of that, the icing on the cake is that Jalen Ramsey will scare some people off. And spoiler alert, he hasn't been shadowing this year. Is he going to have some snaps matched up against Adams? Yes, he might have a decent amount. However, there's going to be numerous Adams snaps where Rodgers looks and sees that Jalen Ramsey is not covering Adams, and we know exactly where he's going to be going on those plays. So I, if, you're, if your friend out there says, hey, Jalen Ramsey, he's going to shadow him, you can just smile and nod and make sure that you're above the field with Adams. If people like your friend, the, this imaginary friend, are going to be saying, <laughs> yeah. you can't play Adams, I don't know if you heard, but this Jalen Ramsey guy is good. He's very good at not shadowing. So that is great news for DFS. (laughs) A team that's been putting up points the last few weeks at an alarming rate. Minnesota travels out to San Francisco. The Niners favored by three and a half. Over under is 49 points. Pretty healthy across the board. Looks like Elijah Mitchell. Josh is going to be back. Jamichael Hasty is not. But of course, we love Jeff Wilson and he is there. Curious what you're going with here because the Vikings are great. Consolidated target share. Justin Jefferson has been absolutely on fire. I feel like all the mojo that Mike Williams had from the Chargers at the beginning of the year, at one point Williams stopped producing and then Justin Jefferson took off, so it slid right over. Thielen, Jefferson, Dalvin Cook on the flip side, of course. Niners want to run the ball, and Debo Samuel has been a league winner, especially for those that took him early in the year, best ball, things like that. What are you looking at here, San Francisco, Minnesota? So I think we can actually uh, put Cousins in with the the Burrow Rogers, where he's very rarely going to be top five in a week in pass attempts. However, it's a good, efficient offense, and it's very consolidated. Really, we just need to look at Jefferson, Thielen, and Conklin when we're stacking with Cousins. And I think that there's some nice peace of mind there to know we're probably going to get it right that if if I tell you that Kirk Cousins is the GPP winning quarterback, you would probably say, I bet, two of Jefferson, Thielen, and Conklin get there, and you'd probably be right. So I think that's a nice advantage there. The 49ers' run defense has actually been fine. Their pass defense has been dreadful. That's good news for Cousins. I do think Dalvin Cook should just be played every week because of how much uh, usage he gets in all parts of the field. He has had 24 red zone carries the past three weeks. That's eight per game. Dalvin Cook's going to have a massive touchdown performance at some point. So I think when you're stacking Jimmy G and you don't want the the Jefferson or Thielen run back, Dalvin Cook, a great run back. With the Niners, Jimmy G did not have a good fantasy performance this past week. It's because they were up by three touchdowns the whole game against Jacksonville and they didn't need Jimmy G to do anything. But he's actually been really efficient this year. It's very good news for Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle. All three have been uh, just really smashing the last uh, month or so for DFS. And with Jimmy G, he's averaging over 8 yards per attempt. I believe he's at 8.3 yards per attempt on the season. It's one of the highest figures in the NFL. He's been very efficient. And I feel like this could be one of the games where there is a surprising amount of pass attempts on both ends and that both trend pass heavier, trying to exploit the kind of the other team's weakness on defense. And one, one thing to note is that this is the late afternoon game. It's one of the, the late afternoon games. On DraftKings, you don't have to worry. 
throw in Jeff Wilson. And if you need a late swap, Elijah Mitchell is only $100 more expensive. What I heard this morning was that if Elijah Mitchell wants to play, he will play. It is purely how confident he feels in that finger, but that they have a plan in place and he's quote unquote allowed to play. I really just, I haven't heard that terminology before, so I don't really know how to take that. But I took that as he's actually like truly questionable and that it's sort of like, what what kind of pain do you want to be in, Elijah? DraftKings, you don't have to worry about it. Just throw in Jeff Wilson right now. Mitchell's $100 more. The problem is on FanDuel. And I think this is a legitimate problem because I do think Mitchell's legitimately questionable and it is a late afternoon game. And that is, they are $1,000 apart. Mitchell's $1,000 more expensive than Wilson. So that's something to keep in mind on FanDuel and why I'm probably going to target this game a little more heavily on DraftKings is this could be a very difficult decision. And I don't want to nuke a lot of my lineups if suddenly late uh, the late games happen and Mitchell goes, yeah, I'll play through the pain. And I go, oh, that is phenomenal news. I can't get off of Jeff Wilson. So something to keep in mind, it's also nice that Jimmy G's 5,700 on DraftKings and that DraftKings caters more to these less expensive quarterbacks, the way their their pricing scale is done. So I think on, on DraftKings, this is one of the actual marquee DFS games in terms of what I'm going to be playing this week. Chargers-Broncos, old, old Dick Enberg, AFC West showdown here. People are surprised and have said to me all week, they are shocked that the Chargers are only two and a half point favorite because of the recency bias. But folks, if you go back to two weeks ago, Vic Fangio dialed one up there, a defensive strategy against Dallas. So now he's home up in the altitude against a Charger team that look, their games are never over. If they're winning, it's not over. And if they're losing, it's not over. Melvin Gordon, full practice for the Broncos. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, can he possibly get going again? Where do we go here in what I think and Vegas thinks with a 47 and a half point over under is going to be a close game and a high scoring game. Exactly what we're looking to target in DFS. This is going to be the classic Josh Larkey. I will be well above the field on Justin Herbert stacks because not only am I a Charger fan, but I appreciate a very pass heavy team that is also a consolidated pass offense for DFS with a talented, decently mobile quarterback in Justin Herbert. It's exactly what you want in DFS is this Chargers team. And I cannot believe that Herbert is 6,600 on DraftKings. It almost looks like a typo. How are you not just stuffing Herbert into all your DFS lineups? And one thing to note is that the Chargers were the primetime Sunday night game. So their performance this past Sunday wasn't factored into salary. And they didn't know that Mike Williams broke a long one and actually had a decent target share in that game. So I believe for the first time all season, you can actually double stack Herbert with both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. That's pretty exciting for me. Because they've they've had a few games where they both have a decent amount of fantasy points, but when they're both seven thousand dollars, it's really difficult to justify that. And you basically, I mean, really, I think the only team that you can ever do that with would be the Buccaneers, where if Brown is out, you can go Evans Godwin, knowing that this is possibly the best passing offense in NFL history. Chargers are not they're they're not the best passing offense in NFL history, but. When Allen is 7,400 on DraftKings and Mike Williams is down at 5,700, suddenly you can see avenues where they can both 
hit a ceiling outcome for their salary and help you get there in DFS. Jared Cook, always a good play. Down at 3K on DraftKings, 5K on FanDuel. You can play them on both platforms. Eckler, 8,400 DraftKings, 8,400 FanDuel. You can play them on both platforms. I think with Herbert, those are the pretty much the only four options that you should seriously look at. And then on the other side, don't love Teddy Bridgewater. Just really tough for him to get there. And it's like what I said earlier where think about if this quarterback gets there, what happens? If Teddy Bridgewater's having a 20 fantasy point game, very good chance Herbert's already put up 30 fantasy points himself. I would just stick with the Herbert angle on this one. And then in terms of runbacks, I think Javante Williams is probably the best runback just because he's cheaper than Melvin Gordon. And uh, he he's just a more explosive runner. I know Melvin Gordon's had a touch better usage, but I still think it's possible that one of these weeks, Javante Williams, they give a higher percentage of the touches to see what he can do and what he'll be for 2022. And then receiver-wise, I like Jerry Judy. He's had 17 targets the past two weeks. He looks like Bridgewater's clear favorite option. And he's still relatively inexpensive. 5,500 DraftKings, 6,100 FanDuel. You can play some Sutton. You can play some Patrick. But with Sutton, I'm very concerned. He just hasn't been, even though it's weird, they extended him. But if you look at the last few weeks with Judy back, Sutton has essentially been a non-factor in this pass offense. And the Chargers are pretty much begging teams to run against them. So that's why Javante Williams would be my preferred run back, or you just go no run back. And you think the Chargers are just going to either smash the Broncos or it's so spread out with a fairly bad offense that no one's hitting more than 10 to 12 fantasy points across the board. And that Judy, Sutton, Patrick, Fant, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, that's six guys right there that all sort of chip in and do something. So I think the the sneaky way to play this is a Herbert double stack with no run back. I love the Judy call. Teddy Bridgewater is a see it before he throws it quarterback. Per player profiler, Jerry Judy, 2.46 yards of separation, number three among all wide receivers. That's why Judy is getting the targets. That's why he's the preferred option of Bridgewater. And that's why you should get in early before he starts to really pop here against Philadelphia in week 10, 76.4% snap share, 33 routes run, nine targets, six receptions. That's six receptions in three of the four games he's played this year. Atlanta, Jacksonville, Atlanta favored by two and a half. There's value here. It's just a matter of whether these teams can produce it. James Robinson looks like he's going to play. Corderell Patterson should play. Kyle Pitts, of course, has been having a phenomenal year, not with the touchdowns, but certainly with the production following Mike Dicka's record, of course, of all time. Jaguars are at home. Never know we're going to get there like a box of chocolates here. But Falcons, Jaguars, probably an ignored game, Josh. You see value here? Yes, this is actually, this game includes my favorite quarterback on the entire slate in Matt Ryan. And I talked about this on First Mover. I'm just going to give everyone here the rundown in case you didn't hear it doesn't matter. Even if you heard it, you should hear it again because Matt Ryan will be my highest exposure quarterback this weekend. I'm not kidding because Matt Ryan, the past four weeks has faced a gauntlet and he lost Ridley. So he's losing his favorite receiving option while facing a murderer's row of pass defenses. 
The Panthers, number two in DVOA against the pass, according to Football Outsiders. Then the Saints, number 13 in DVOA. Then the Cowboys, number three. Then the Patriots, number five. Three of those four games, top five pass defenses, and then throw in the Saints, who are the number 13 pass defense. This is all while Matt Ryan has lost his top receiving option. Cordell Patterson's questionable. We'll see if he gets him back. Huge boost for that whole offense if he does. But even if Patterson sits, I actually think he's probably going to sit in this one because this would only be two weeks off the ankle sprain. But he he seems actually like he's a a true game-time decision right now. But Matt Ryan gets the Jaguars, who are the number seven DVOA run defense. The Jaguars have been good against the run. And their pass defense is the second worst pass defense in the NFL. So Matt Ryan, he faced the gauntlet for incredibly stingy pass defenses. He now gets the most cake matchup there is. And Matt Ryan's been good this year. Number 12 in accuracy rating on player profiler. Thanks to our game charters who have watched every single throw from every quarterback. And they grade how accurate every single pass is. Matt Ryan, number 12. He's 5,500 on DraftKings. People don't want to play Matt Ryan because of two god-awful performances, not realizing that they were both top five pass defenses. I believe he is going to be the tournament-winning quarterback this week on DraftKings. Sure, it could be somebody else. It's probably not going to be him. But if I had to place (laughs) probabilities, Matt Ryan would be my highest probability quarterback, which is why I'm going to be playing the most of him. Stacking with two of Pitts, Gage, Zacchaeus, and then either... Allison or Patterson. Patterson, if he plays, and then if not Allison, Mike Davis just looks like dust at this point. And then you have nice runbacks with Robinson, Marvin Jones, Chanel, and Dan Arnold. Jamal Agnew was kind of, I mean, we never root for injuries. I hope he makes a full recovery. But I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. When there's Jamal Agnew there, it was very difficult to find any kind of DFS value. And when there's a bad offense with five guys getting decent usage. It is significantly less appealing than narrowing the pool down to only four guys. So I think there's some natural runbacks and Matt Ryan is just set up for his signature 300 plus pass yards game. He's going to hit that DraftKings bonus. And it's really hard for me to see him not hitting 20 to 25 fantasy points and getting there for your tournament lineups. And last game here, my friend, Jets at Houston. Line only two and a half, which I think is odd. I mean, Houston coming off a big win at Tennessee. So it's got to be worth something. Tyrod Taylor's back. Two rushing touchdowns last week. Looked much better. He's not a turnover quarterback yet. He was terrible against Miami, but he returned back to normal. Brandon Cooks and his target share we love, of course. No Michael Carter for the Jets. So you mentioned Ty Johnson may take a bigger role. I can't quit Rex Burkhead. He led the team with 18 rushes last week. And of course, we know he can get involved in the passing game. So 44 and a half over under. Houston favored by two and a half. Should be a close game here. Give me the value in this really unappetizing game between the Texans and the Jets. So I think Tyrod kind of makes sense as chalk. The Jets defense has been really bad. Kind of makes sense why David Johnson's chalk as well. I thought Rex Burkhead would be a touch more popular because this Jets defense is just like they're seeding a lot of pass it or they're 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 seeding a lot of passing fantasy points. The same goes with the run game. Running backs are having a field day against the Jets. So I think Houston's going to be pouring on some fantasy points as strange as that sounds at this point in the year. But when Tyrod Taylor's priced at 5,300 on DraftKings, 7,400 FanDuel. So probably not going to play any Tyrod on FanDuel, but 
5,300 DraftKings. Brandon Cooks, he's under 6K. He's probably going to have a very hefty amount of targets going his way. He's just going to torch this Jets secondary. And then I do like David Johnson. David Johnson last week, there's no more Philip Lindsay. Johnson had 13 carries, three of them in the red zone, ran 12 routes and had four targets. He was actually an all-purpose back. And I believe that he has a 20 fantasy point ceiling. We we saw him hit it a couple games last year. We know it's there. He could very well have a rushing touchdown and four to six receptions. So I think David Johnson, I know he's going to be chalk. Don't think he's a good one-off play where you're just throwing in a chalk Houston running back. But I think in game stacks, I like Tyrod with Cooks. I think you can even do Tyrod, David Johnson, and Cooks. And then the runbacks, I like Elijah Moore, who's been the best receiver in fantasy the past month. And then I like Ty Johnson, who is surprisingly not heavy chalk. Ty Johnson, he's 4,300 DraftKings, 5,200 FanDuel. Very affordable on both platforms. He has big playability. We've seen him break several long runs and receptions. No Michael Carter. And Zach Wilson is just, he's a pretty bad quarterback. I expect him to check it down more, especially when he saw both Flacco and Mike White having more success than he did, utilizing the running backs pretty heavily. I think Tevin Coleman is a, kind of a desperation running back if you want to save salary on DraftKings, but I believe the preferred option, the running back who actually has a 20 fantasy point ceiling would be Ty Johnson. So I present to you the grossest onslaught you've ever heard of that is technically okay, and it would be Tyrod stacked with David Johnson, Brandon Cooks. You run it back with Ty Johnson and Elijah Moore. Throw in the Falcons defense against Jacksonville at 2,500, and you still have $7,300 left for a receiver, a tight end, and a flex. If you want an incredibly strange lineup, all you have to do is hope that Jets Houston has about 50 points scored, which could happen. And then next, you know, you just stuff in studs. You want to play Cooper Cup? You want to play a Dalvin Cook or a Najee Harris or a Devontae Adams? Great. Tyrod Taylor stacks. Week 12, you have to go deep. That's what we do with the big tilt. And nothing's better and deeper than chocolates. Ty Johnson. Week 12, you have to go deep. That's what we do with the big tilt. And nothing's better and deeper than chalkless Ty Johnson. I was surprised Ty Johnson wasn't heavy chalk. Like he he's like he's gonna carry some ownership from what I saw, but I thought Ty Johnson was gonna be like because I, I felt like every single sharp likes Ty Johnson. But apparently not. He'll be chalk next week when he explodes this week, and that's when you shouldn't play. I mean that oh, that's yeah. that's what happens. That is they they want to see it. The key is doing it before it happens. Yeah, I was actually sad because I love Ty Johnson. So I was like, oh, it's gonna be so sad because I'm not gonna be able to play that much Ty Johnson at 4,300. 
because everyone's going to want to play him. And then I was like, oh, because I, I thought I'd play like 12 to 15 percent Ty Johnson. And I thought he was going to be like 20 percent played. And like we, we've seen him hit like 20 fantasy points already this year, even with Michael Carter there. If you like Michael Carter, how do you not like Ty Johnson against the Texans? Especially with Zach Wilson back coming off an of injury, right? I, yeah, they're not going to – his time to throw is going to be so lightning fast in this <laughs> right, game. Right, Especially right. when Flacco and White and even, oh, and even Josh Johnson, when they all look better than him because they're just heavily utilizing the dump off. Like, More dump offs in a baby's diaper. That's what that jet game is going to be. Not a big Miles Sanders week. Fade that chalk. Matt Ryan is just set up for his signature 300-plus pass yards game 